thank God for tonight. I don't take this invitation for granted at all. And I'm happy I'm here to be with you tonight. I know that prophet is not here, but we spoke this evening. And it's my prayer that wherever he is, the mighty hand of the Lord will visit him for him to complete whatever assignment he has over there and come here to join us safely in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to acknowledge the presence of the dear wife to us together. They have become part of us. We've known each other for years. And I thank God for their lives. If for nothing at all, I have a grandchild in their home. And something that I can be proud of. So I thank God. I have several daughters here. I'm surprised to see you sing, yeah? Come and give me a punch. Amen. Is Mary here? Is Pamela here? Hey. Where's your best friend? Hey, Kwame. Amen. Is that Na? Where's Na? Na is not here. Yeah, I spoke with her this evening. She's an amazing lady. Put your hands together for now. Today. <laughs> Hey, I can see you. Yeah, a preacher and a prophet's son. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll be given an assignment for today and tomorrow. And I pray that the Lord will help me to execute it in the way the Lord wants me to have it. Amen. Since it's going to be a teaching session, we're going to go in very, very slow. I couldn't come early to give you the scriptures so that you can get it on the board for us. But I want to plead that as soon as you hear the Bible text, you be so fast and get it on the screen for me so that together we can read. And if there's any need of explanation, we can do it together. Amen. Amen. We are talking about God's concept of marriage. God's concept of marriage. In other words, how does God see marriage? Or how does God think about marriage? What is God's idea? about marriage. We wouldn't go far because in the Bible, God has given us the beginnings of everything. And we find the beginnings of everything in this world in the book of Genesis. It is the book of beginnings. In the book of Genesis, we find the beginning of creation. God creating the universe. 
the heavens and the earth and everything that therein, great and small, visible and invisible, they all began in the book of Genesis. In Genesis, we see the beginning of fellowship. God coming to the garden in the cool of the evening to have fellowship with man. Fellowship with man. In the book of Genesis, we see the beginning of temptation. Satan went to the woman in the absence of the man and craftily deceived the woman. So in Genesis, we see not only creation and fellowship, we also see temptation. That is where we see the beginning of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned against God. In Genesis, we see the beginning of judgment. God judged the serpent, judged the woman, and judged the man. In Genesis, we see God judging the whole world and saving only Noah and his children. In Genesis, we see God's plan of redemption. When Adam and Eve sinned and God killed an innocent animal, frayed the animal and took the skin and made a garment for the woman, for the man, man and woman to cover their nakedness. So, the book of Genesis is the seedbed for all scripture. Can I get an amen from you? Yes. If in the Bible we see polygamy, that's where polygamy started, where one of the descendants of, of, of Cain married two women and killed a man who uh, probably for one reason or the other uh, was the wife the husband of that man or whatever he killed a man he killed a man so Genesis gives us the beginning of everything so we are not going to go far away from Genesis to look for God's idea of marriage. Can I get an amen? amen? Marriage is never an idea of a man. God invented marriage. God initiated marriage. God originated marriage. And the reason why many people miss God's best in their relationship is simply because they do not know the purpose of God's idea in bringing marriage. Did you get me right? Many couples do not enjoy their marriages. Today, divorce rate is on the ascendancy. It is all because we have not understood God's idea of marriage. You see, and if you don't have the purpose of a thing, you misuse it. Is that right? Yes. And so, we want to look at God's desire, His plan, God's purposes 
for marriage. In the first place, we will read two scriptures. One in Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28, and then we will read chapter 2, verse 18 and 24. And God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Chapter 2, verse 18 and 24. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto the wife and they shall be one flesh. Amen. I think in about four or five instances in the Bible. Let's quickly go back to Genesis and just look at something. We are taking our time because we are studying, okay? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse number 3. I want us to look at some few words. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light. Separate. Okay? That's the word I want. Separate. And then you come to chapter 6, verse 6, the same chapter 1. And the Bible says that, and God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate the water from water. Separate. Water from above and water from below. Separate. Have you seen two times? And then in chapter 1, verse number 6. I think 7. He mentioned again. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse. Separate that way. I see another one in chapter 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And then in verse 18. 17 says, God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night. 
and to separate the light from the darkness. But when God created Adam and Eve, God did not use the word separate. He said that they shall be one flesh. Again, in that same place, let us take notice of another thing. Are we together? Verse number 10 of chapter 1. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And he gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 12. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds. And trees bearing fruit with seed in the air according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 17. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good verse 25 God made the wild animals according to their kinds of the livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds and God saw that it was good the only time God said among all creation that something was not good was when he created a man so, so are, you, are you getting the importance of God creating marriage Everything that God created, he saw that it was good. But he finished creating man and God said that no, as for this one, it is not good for him to be alone. Amen. So, why did God create marriage? First and foremost, marriage is to reflect God's image. Marriage is to reflect God's marriage, God's image. The Bible teaches that Adam and Eve 
They were husband and wife, right? But they were created in the image and likeness of God. So whatever God was or God is must be replicated in Adam and Eve because they were created in the image and likeness of God. Let me pause here and say this. Why do married men are called, why are they called fathers? Because a natural father, there's only one father. God the father, right? So if you are a husband and you are called a father, you can just imagine the responsibility you have carried upon yourself. Because your fatherhood should be a picture of the great father who is in heaven. So fathers cannot do anything less than what the great father does. So marriage is supposed to reflect the image of God. They were created in the image of God to be in his likeness. Marriage was and is meant to model and display God's glory to all creation. Amen. In what way? Because we see plurality in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are pura, right? Purity. Okay. Even though they are one, they are still three distinct personalities. But they are one. So goes with a man and a woman. There's this unity amongst them. There are two Hebrew words. It has just come into my mind. I, mean, I don't know which one. One is called Ikat. One is called Ekat. One stands for absolute unity. One stands for a compound unity. So when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, even though they are three, they are one. The reflection in marriage is that a husband and wife are two separate entities, but their unity is inseparable. And that is why when they are joined together, no one must and should not be able to separate. Because in the eyes of God, this is a kind of unity reflecting the plurality of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Are we together? Are we traveling along the way? Good. So, here on this earth, marriage in the eyes of God is so essential It is so important that 
like I said earlier on, if fathers are playing their role as God the Father does play his role, heaven on earth will be in our homes. And our homes will be a reflection of the kingdom of God. Where there is righteousness, where there is peace, where there is joy in the Holy Ghost. According to Romans chapter 14 verse 17. That is the kingdom of God. To me the kingdom of God is the totality of every Christian act that we do. If we get all the money in this world. Sometimes I want to believe that even holiness, holiness itself, if you preach holiness alone in the Bible, you are missing the mark. Because holiness alone is not the kingdom of God. It is a component of the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It is true that without holiness, no one can see God. It is true. But the Bible did not tell us to see holiness first. He asked us to see the kingdom of God, which is the totality of everything that God means for us as believers. I think I'm making sense. I'm not confusing anybody. Right. So, we see this plurality of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in marital relationship. Can I get a verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1? Genesis 1 26. For God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 27. 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Who? Male and female. He created them. And there's a reason why God made the female and the male. We shall get there maybe if not today. Maybe you will get there tomorrow. So the Trinity is one. And yet, they are still individual three personalities. When couples marry, they are meant to demonstrate this same priority or unity. Two individuals becoming one flesh for the rest of their lives. Yet, they maintain their individuality. I no problem in the world. That's why the problem but it's not a problem because in the Trinity Jesus submits 
sins in God the Father. Do you know that even though they are equal, the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was nothing that was created without Him. So when God said, let there be light, those words were Jesus. Because the words I speak are my ideas, they are my thoughts. So when God spoke, his idea and thoughts were Jesus, bringing those things into being. Someone have said that God is the great planner. Jesus is the architect he bears. The Holy Spirit is the beautifier. He beautifies it. Okay. So in all things, even though Jesus is God, he submits. John chapter 5, verse 19. John 5, 19. You are smart. God bless you. Jesus answered, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, this also doeth the son likewise. Can you be giving me the NIV? I want the NIV more than the King James. Okay? Yes. I want the NIV. Sometimes I understand the NIV more than the King James. Even though it is the father of all translations. But the giver and the ticket, we don't teach that in classrooms now. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does it. This is a statement of submission. There's nothing I can do unless I see my father do it. But they are the same. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 27. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 27. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that God has put everything under the feet of Jesus. And if he says that God has put everything under the feet of Jesus, it doesn't mean that God himself is included. No! No, it is not. So Jesus submits absolutely. Even though they are the same. Let me say this to the women. I beg your pardon. Let me say this. This idea of women emancipation and the women going to, is it China or wherever they went? Beijing. Look. Whatever a man can do, women can do. It's nice. It simply means that we cannot use them as trash. As a matter of fact, if you go to America, you I see when I see women driving buses, I get so excited. And they are not dri- like they are driving a bus from here to Kofolidio. They are driving a bus maybe from New York to Maryland. 
hours, maybe four, five, six hours. And their hours will be like from here to Hamile because their roads are nice. They don't talk about mileage, they talk about hours. No American will ask you how many miles from here to New York. No. They did how many hours drive? How many minutes drive? They did hours and minutes. They don't talk about the mileage. They're good. Because he knows that when he says 15 minutes, 15 minutes, he must get there. So, so if a woman is a pilot, it's nice. But the fact that a woman is a pilot and a bus driver cannot make a woman a husband. <laughs> so woman emancipation doesn't mean that a woman can be a man no so it doesn't matter what as Jesus submits to the father even though in authority in creation in everything they are the same they are on the same level but Jesus always saw himself as the son and submitted to the father. I'm making a point to you. I'm getting there. And you realize that the Holy Spirit submits both to Christ and also to God the Father. But the book of Job tells us that God created everything with the breath of his mouth. By his spirit, he created everything. So marriage and God made a man and a woman. It was meant to be the same way as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one but Jesus submits to the Father. So in marriage we reflect the image of God. If a woman is submitting to the husband, it is, it is, it is, if you say it is an obligation, you are trying to bring some coercion into that word. But I would like to say, it is her rightful duty It is the rightful duty of a woman to submit to her own husband. Are you together? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, look at what Paul said. He demonstrated how authority must be as we see the authority in Christ and Jesus the Son, God the Father. Now, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. Eh? The head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man. Let me pause here and go back a little bit. Any man who wants the wife to submit must first learn to submit to Christ. You see, this is a divine order. It can never change. It can never change because 
there shall never be a day and there will never be a day when Christ will say that he is above God. It can never happen. So it should never happen in a day that a man will say that I am higher than Christ. In the same way, no woman. Even if you are the only woman in this world who can use a man's tongue as a paper to write on. You don't have that right to be above your husband. If it's a divine order, it can never change. Can you reverse this? This cannot be reversed. So, the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. A divine order, a divine authority. Amen. Amen. So we are getting to a place of God's idea of marriage. It must reflect the authority and the order that God has set. If we miss these things, we miss the essence of marriages in our home. There are so many troubles and chaos in our home because in the first place, men are not submitting to Christ. And they want their wives to submit to them. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Have you heard this Nigeria saying, Hango, thank you. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 21, give me Ephesians chapter 21. Give me Ephesians chapter 21. No, Ephesians... Chapter 5, sorry, verse 21. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then go to 22. 22. Why submit to your own husband as to the Lord? But from the 21, the Bible says that we must submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He was talking about how we should live in our homes. In chapter 5. How we should live as Christians. And he was concluding the chapter before he came to talk about marriage. And he's saying that we must submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The one another are who? Sometimes in a sense Parents, we have to submit to our children. Our children these days are not like us and our fathers. Today, you cannot just tell your child to do something without asking you questions. No, it is not done. It is not done. Sometimes, today, they know even more things than us. Me standing here, I am a BBC, you know BBC. BBC are those who were born before computer. If you're BBC, not BBC News in London, but you were born before computer. I am a BBC. There are so many things I have to ask my sons to, on telephone to teach me how to do it. In my time, there was this typewriter that we typed with carbon papers. Yeah. One of my lectures said that when he is typing, his style of typing is 
Seek and ye shall find. So, so he seeks for the letters before he strikes. So sometimes we even have to submit to our children because some of their decisions are good, they are genuine. Look, I, I made a mistake for my firstborn son to stay home for a year before entering the university. Why? Because I wanted him to do economics. And he didn't like economics. Because I was an accountant and I know something about I thought that when he did economics, it will help him. And so he did not get the pass mark to do economics, so he stayed home. The following year, I allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do. Today, ask me where he is. I won't tell you. So submit to one another out of reverence. But God specifically and intrinsically said in chapter 5 verse 22 that wives should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Now he is making specifics out of the verse 21. So God's idea of marriage must reflect the image and the likeness of God. That they are three in one, their submission, but the authority and their power, they are the same. In a home, two captains can never man a ship. Two captains can never pilot a plane. There is a captain and there is a core Pilot. So, God's plan of marriage is not only for that, but another implication that we see in the Trinitarian of God's authority and power as 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 about the three Godhead is that there is a demonstration of love in the Godhead. The father loved the son. Right? He loved the son. The picture is Abraham and Isaac. Isaac loved the son. The only begotten promised son that God said he would give was Isaac. He loved him. But Isaac submitted to the, to the point that he looked at the father like a lame dump maybe sheep for the father to tie the hand and to tie the feet. With his eyes open he saw the father carrying him and laying him on the firewood set on the altar for him to be burnt. That was love. That was submission. Are we, are we closer? So marriage must demonstrate this kind of love. That is why the Bible said that men love 
your wives. There is a reason for that. Women, you don't know what is love. I'm telling you, men can love so many women. Yeah. We don't, we don't know what is love. No, 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 no. So men here, forgive me. Because I'm one of you. We, we don't know what is love. You know what? A man can marry a lady with a ringed neck. You see some woman with a ringed neck? A, woman, a man can love that same man who when she gets that ringed neck, she also love the one with this engine seat. Eh? Aha. That same man with a ringed neck and a good engine seat will also love a good Bobby Spanner. Okay? The same man who she will say love the fair in complexion. She can also love the dark, neat, colored one. So we don't know what is love. I'm telling you honestly. And so, for us who are married, it has only been the grace of God. Yes. It has only been the grace of God and the anointing of God that d- dwells in us. Because if you play the fool, you will be like any ordinary man. So in Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible said that husbands love your wife. It is like saying fathers. Right? Fathers love your wife. Jesus said that the father loves the son. And all that the father has, he has given to the son. God the Father, love God the Son. So in marriage, fathers must love our wives. It doesn't matter how your wife looks like, whatever he does. Once you have married her, you have married her, period. Love her anyway. Love her anyhow. Love her anywhere. Love her anyone if you like it. Husbands, love your wife. And he gives an example just as Christ loved the church. Even today, as you are sitting here and shouting, there are some impurities in the church. I have always said that the best church that has ever existed in this world was the church that Jesus was a senior pastor. And there were only 12 members. And one wasn't good. And there were two who were fighting for position. So if Jesus had a church with this kind of people, then you realize and notice that no church is perfect. But, but, but for all our imperfection, Christ has loved us. That he gave himself for the church. So our marriage, marriage, the concept of marriage in the eyes of God 
should be like God the Father loving us. Anyhow, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So husbands, fathers, God must see our marriage in our home as God sees Christ and the church. If we say Christ gave himself for the church, for the womb, for the church, it means that he sacrificed, right? He sacrificed himself for the church. And I think that God wants us men to also sacrifice. I went to do my seminar somewhere and I tried to explain to them the meaning of a woman. Who can tell me the meaning of a woman? The meaning of a woman simple means woman. Eh? Yeah, you understand eh? I hear you say okay, okay. Woman, 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 woman. Does it make sense? Nick, does it make sense? Are you sure? Nick, if you think it makes sense, please put your hands together for me. <laughs> All right. Because, because Christ has to woo before he got the church, right? He had to die before the church came into existence. He sacrificed for us. And sometimes it is difficult for us to sacrifice for our women. Let me give you a very typical example. Whenever a woman is pregnant, she becomes very lazy. Most women. She becomes very lazy. Yes, most women. And there's a reason for that. Because so many things about them have changed. So you can see a woman like this and maybe a bottle of water is just at his hand stretch but she will call you to come and pick the bottle of water for her if you are not careful you'll be angry and insult her don't do that because adapt be turning and the kind of pain the woman is going through she will not be able to stretch forth her hand and pick the bottle. If you are a man, that is a sacrifice. Yes, that is a sacrifice. You see, I'm trying to say all this thing for you to understand that God has an idea of making marriage. To bring his image and likeness into our homes. Are you getting me? In a home where the husband is loving, where the husband is willing to go an extra mile for the woman, there will be absolute joy in that house. In a home where the woman is willing to submit, if 
maybe if the husband is harsh and sometimes we don't want to listen to her but still the woman will submit it will bring peace look take me to first peter chapter 3 first peter chapter 3 First Peter chapter three. Are we there? Wives in the same way be submissive to your husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So the wife, the husband may not be listening to what you are all your preaching and whatever you are doing doesn't matter to her. But your behavior. So it is saying that your submission is a weapon. Your submission is a weapon that can win your husband. Any hard husband can be won with your submission and the way you behave yourself. So your submission is a weapon. I'm telling you, it's a weapon. Go forward, go a little bit, verse 2. Go to verse 2. Go to verse 2. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, let's go. Let's go. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes. So your submission should not be your dressing. Your submission should be the inner quality you have. So submission is not only a weapon, it is an ornament. It is like a jewelry. Your submission inside you is like an ornament. It is like a jewelry. It makes you more attractive. And so the Bible said that if you do this, then you are like Sarah. She submitted to the extent that she called her husband Lord. The only time I met the Bible said, Oh, baby, I can't hear you. Lord. Hey, 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 Sarah. And if you understand the word Lord, you know my master, my leader. Okay. Submission. So in a home, where there's a submission and where there's a love, the catcher will say there will be peace, there will be joy in that house. Amen. So the father loves the son and the son submits to the father. First John 4, 8. The Holy Spirit submits to both. So God's plan for marriage is to express his image and his likeness. That is why I began by saying that if you call yourself a father, then you must do what a father in heaven does. Amen. The father loves the son. And the son submits to the father. Jesus loves the church. And he expects the church to submit to him by obeying his word and carrying out the instructions that he gives us. If the church listens to Christ and do what Christ wants us to do, there will be peace in the church, there will be growth in the church, the spirit of God will dwell in the church. So that's God's idea of marriage. That's God's idea of marriage. 
to demonstrate God's image and likeness in our homes. God's plan of marriage or for marriage is also to raise godly children. Godly children. Have you heard this saying like father like son? So like mother like daughter. I can bet you that parents who quarrel are showing their children how to quarrel when they also get married. Because believe you me, we learn a lot of things from our home. My father was a complete illiterate. Complete illiterate. My mother, the same. My father died about four, three, four, four years ago at the age of 97. My mother is still alive. She's 98. She's still alive. But I learned a lot of things from home. God is my witness. I never saw in a day my father insulting my mother or my mother retorting by. I never, God is my witness. And they were always together. Except when his cocoa farm money was yielding and then he decided to marry another. But my mother just stayed with him until the Lord called him home. But I saw my father as a good husband and a good father. When you were young, wherever you are, when my mother brings food to my father, he will call you to come and sit down and eat with him. He had a reason. To show you how to cut the fufu and how to take the soup. Just to teach you how to chew. You won't sit with my father at the table and chew and make noise out of your mouth. He had a reason. He had a reason. And that is why the only best friend I have is my wife. I don't know how to make friends. Because I knew my father had a best friend and she was my mother. When we were growing up, we were born into the Methodist church. You go to my hometown, you ask everybody, she will tell you. We never saw our mother's best friend, a woman. If my mother is not in the house, she's either going to farm or going to church. We never saw my mother going to visit a friend. Never. All oh, my sister, they know this. You know, you know Monica. Monica will tell you. We never saw our mother like that. She's always at home. She had no friends. Even when there's noise outside there and you want to go out, the way my father will look at you will tell you that you don't have to go out there to see the crowd come inside. Because if you venture and go and come, he, he will not beat you with a cane. But if my mom or my dad uses these two fingers and spank your bottles, you will see that somebody has spanked you. Why am I saying this? In a godly home, we raise godly children. God gave the authority for the woman and the man to rule over the earth and the birds in the sky and everything that creepeth. He gave dominion 
and rulership and authority Amen. So God wants marriages to raise. Look, Malachi chapter 2. Malachi, is it Malachi? You give Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. I did not write, but I think it's correct. Malachi chapter 2. Okay. And did he not make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit. And wherefore what? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. God is talking about marriage here. And God said that he's a witness of that covenant. And that is why he doesn't want anybody to break that covenant of marriage. More importantly, God wants to raise a godly seed. I gave three out of my four boys. We gave birth to them. When I entered the ministry, I entered the ministry in 1983 at Insuta. And then three years at Insuta, I was taken to Yasu. That was where I had finished Bible college and got married. So, me and my wife, our first station as ministers of the gospel began Ajasu. And three out of the four boys we have were brought forth Ajasu. And we had this Pentecost apostle. He wasn't an apostle then, but he was the overseer at that time. He was the one who named all the three children. So he had come for the firstborn naming ceremony and he made, he told the story that one day a man was going to farm and as he was passing by the front of a house he saw a small boy who has cornered his own girl under his armpit and was hitting the head. And then the man asked him, why are you doing that? Is she not your sister? Don't you know that you harm her? Listen to what the boy said. I am doing to her what my father has been doing to my mother. So, where did he learn that from? Yes. So, imagine this boy has been raised from a home that knows how to say, I am sorry. Don't do that again. You are a wise boy. Instead of telling the boy, you are foolish. Look at his head. Your head is like coconut. He's coming from a home where mother can say that, thank you, my husband. Thank you, Kofi. Thank you for doing this job. You're a good boy. When the child grows up, he's going to grow up with that mentality, that attitude, because he saw the father saying it. He saw the father doing it. God wants godly children. If sin had not entered the garden, Adam and Eve, as innocent as they were, would have lived with God comfortably, peaceably, in that fellowship, in that harmony, without any trouble. But even this, after all the sin, 
God is trying to reconcile us back to him because he craves our fellowship. If we don't have this concept of marriage and we don't take good care of the children that God is bringing to us, we miss the mark and the essence of God's concept of marriage. Am I talking to somebody in this house? Psalm 127, I think verse 4 tells us that. Children are the heritage of God. Another word for heritage is inheritance. Inheritance is different from possessions. This is my possession. This is my possession. If I die, and I'm not going to die, you are thinking I will not die. And I'm going to die. I'm not going to die. I'm waiting for a rapture. But if, quote and then quote, I should die and leave this watch and this Bible to my son, it is not his possession. It is not his property. It is his inheritance. So possessions are what you have acquired. But inheritance are the things that somebody has bequeathed to you. So the Bible says that children are the heritage from God. A reward from him. We are responsible and accountable to God for the stewardship of that which he has given to us. May God help us that none of our children will go wayward. Before, if it does happen, God is going to hold us responsible. So, the concept of God's idea of marriage is that God will get a godly offspring. Give me Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 talks about how Jesus was despised and was killed. We will read through, but I want the verse 10 so that I can make a point out of that. So let's read together. Who has believed our report? From verse 1. Who has believed our report? Our message. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah is talking about Jesus. Let's go. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. That is Jesus for you. From his bed, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteem him not. For surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. Five. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. 
And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was left like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. The verse 10. Yet, it pleased God's will. It was the will of God to crush him and to cause him to suffer. For what reason? And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So it was the will of God for God to get an offspring. That is why he saw Jesus go through that pain. And that's why you and I are sitting here. We are the offspring of Christ. He suffered because God wanted an offspring. Are you catching me? Yes. Yes. So the Bible says that the inheritance of God are the saints. If God has any inheritance, it is in the saints. So Jesus went through all this so that God will get an offspring. Church, marriage is important in the eyes of God. Because it definitely demonstrates God's image and his likeness. God wants a godly offspring. God's plan for marriage is to establish and build his kingdom. Amen. Amen. So we that are married as Christians or are yet to marry as Christians, the only place the kingdom of God can be found is in your home. Do you know that marriages brought about families? Eh? And it's the Genesis chapter 10 where the list of families were listed or are listed. Marriages brought about families. Families, according to Genesis 10, brought about nations. So can you imagine a home where a husband and wife are fully represented as Christ and the church as God and his Christ? Can you imagine how it will be like? Your family alone can influence the extended family. And if the extended family is influenced, it can in a way somehow influence the society or the community in which ah now you're Christian, obey Christian, obey so Christian. Then they are producing Christian offspring, and the Christian offspring are getting married, and they are producing. Do you think do you think that this world will be the same as it is? So that is God's idea 
or the family. God's idea wasn't that Satan will come. Even though God knew that Satan will cause havoc. But his idea of marriage was to make sure that marriage is like his image and likeness. As God is, so our homes and our marriages should be. Fathers, if you are fathers, be a father indeed. I think I will close with this. And God willing, when we come tomorrow, I'm going to talk about foundation for Christian marriage. Amen. Amen. If you are here and you are married, I want to appeal to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do whatever you come to make your home. Where God can visit and he will not be ashamed for putting you together. Make your home a place where Jesus will be sitting on the right hand side of the Father and be looking at you. And he can whisper into the ears of the Father and say that as I loved the church. That is why James and Alberta are loving themselves. If you are married, make your home. A place where the Holy Spirit will dwell every day, every time. To lead, to guide, to strengthen, to comfort, and to support you. If you are yet to marry, please, have you ever seen the traffic lights? Anytime it is red, don't make any attempt to cross. In Ghana, there are no cameras around to capture you. But elsewhere, if you make any attempt and you cross, you think that, I remember when I was going for the driving license in Canada. They failed me four times, even though I started driving in 1968. They failed me four times. Yes, yes, I started, yeah, go coast time. I learned with the Peugeot 403 with a steering wheel on the side. Yes, it was my uncle's car, Takradi. They failed me four times. After the written exams, it was one touch for the driving. And let me show you one thing that he failed me. According to their booklet, when you cross the mark and you see the amber, speed off and cross. Because if you make any attempt to stop, you stop halfway the road to obstruct those who become from the other side. So here I am with a testing officer by my side. I go to the line and I saw the amber shoot. So according to what I have read, I sped off and crossed. As soon as I crossed, he called me, Sir, you've crossed the line. So, oh, please. But according to the booklet, it says that when you cross the line and you see the amber, you can speak. I say, yes, but you are Elena. You get me? Who see I'm pulling a crossing? Now we are there. And, 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 and 
As soon as I crossed, he said, okay, take the left and let's go back. Then he took me back to the testing office. I failed. Because I crossed the light. So if you are yet to marry, see yourself as someone who is approaching the traffic light. Even if it is amber, don't make any attempt to cross. Because you may be caught in the middle by the red light. A policeman may not arrest you. There may not be a camera to capture you. But your conscience will never free you that you cross a red light. May God help us. Amen. Can I say a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this evening, for the beginning of this conference. We ask you, don't let us become hearers only to deceive ourselves but the doers of the word for those who hear and do the bible says that they are the ones that will be blessed and we want to be blessed don't let these messages pass through our right ear and go through the left ear we ask so God that it will find a place in our hearts and in our minds sow this seed water the seed let your sun shine on the seed Cause it to germinate. Cause the Father to grow and to bear fruit. For now and for future. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.